All righty. Well, as we get into uh, the notes here, the very first thing, one of the greatest blessings enjoyed by Christians in this life is the privilege of prayer. The privilege that we have to be able to go to the Lord in prayer, to be able to talk to him, come to him at any time uh, with any need. And uh, he is a prayer answering God. He, he enjoys and, and uh, loves it when his people pray. And it is our privilege to be able to pray, to go to him, uh, the creator of the universe, the savior of our soul, uh, the God of heaven, and, and pray. Uh, what a privilege that is. It's sadly a privilege that many do not take advantage of even though it is there and available to us. Beloved, if we're talking about overcoming the world, overcoming the flesh, overcoming the devil, uh, having victory in your Christian life, really putting your life in order, these principles, uh, prayer is a foundational part of that. Uh, we only have two weapons, the Word of God and prayer. And those two offensive weapons that we have need to be consistently a part of the believer's life. Uh, he begins here by talking about or describing the fact that prayer really is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Can I ask you, how do you build a relationship? My kids would answer this without question because I've dealt with them as they're getting older here. But what is, what's the means through which you build a relationship with somebody? Communication. I heard some people, but uh, communication, I'm not sure what other things that I heard there, but that's what I was looking for. Outside of communication, you're not going to build a relationship. Some people ask me about a pastor, and they'll throw out his name, and they'll say, do you know him? And I have to say, well, I know of him, but I can't say I know him. We don't really have a relationship. We don't call each other. We don't text. We don't have any means of communication. I know of him. If I saw him, I would recognize him and know who he was, but I don't know him. Why? Because there's been no communication. As my kids are getting older and they're reaching that age in which they are, uh, you know, allowed, they, 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 of course, for many years have uh, been interested, <laughs> but I've restricted uh, the building of relationship when they're too young, you know, as the reason to, uh, if you want to call it dating or whatever, but the reason for that is to pursue marriage. I say, well, you're 13, you're not ready to pursue marriage, so you don't need to be thinking about dating anybody. You don't think, you don't need to be doing that. But as as they've reached that stage now that they're in college and, hey, you can do this, uh, we've talked about, hey, how do you build a relationship through communication? Uh, and how do you slow a relationship down that's moving too fast? You limit your communication. That's very simple. If, if it's moving too quick and, and, and you're all of a sudden, you know, head over heels and it feels like you're running headlong downhill and, and man, we're going to be married in three months if this keeps up. Well, okay, what you got to do is limit the communication. And that may seem harsh, but that's how you control the development or building of a relationship. And the same applies to our relationship with the Lord. You can't expect to have a relationship with God because you know of God. Because he is your Lord and Savior is one thing, but to build a relationship with him is through communication. That's what he's dealing with here. That's what he's talking about is really uh, prayer is that relationship with Jesus Christ, with the Father through Jesus Christ. Um, the first prayer he describes here that God promises to answer is the prayer for salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, there are many people, and you've heard them talk about the fact that, uh, you know, oh, I, I've prayed for many, many years, and, and uh, listen, God is a loving and a merciful God, and God has compassion, but I want you to know the first prayer that he promises to answer is the prayer of belief, the prayer of repentance, where men come to him and repent of their sin and put their faith and trust in him, 
And that is where the relationship starts. Before salvation, there is no relationship there. You're, you're not a child of God yet. The Bible describes those that are in the world without Jesus Christ as actually children of Satan. They are like their father, the devil. That's, that's because that's, they have that sinful nature in them and have not been born again into the family of God. And so you've got to start that relationship somewhere. And that relationship starts at salvation, the prayer of faith in Jesus Christ, and then he saves your soul. And your relationship begins, and he compares that relationship to a father-son relationship. He says in Galatians 4, 6 there, And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth in the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The idea of you have now have a heavenly father, you have a relationship with your heavenly father, that relationship has been established, and now you need to build that, keep growing that. Some of you, and, and over the years I've talked to and been with uh, people whose children they were estranged from, their children, they, they obviously love their kids, but have not communicated with them for many years. There's, there's been conflict there, there's been a problem there, and that is so hard on the heart of a parent. Uh, when a child doesn't want something to do with them, when the child wants to just cut them off and wants to just go live their life. I mean, that breaks the heart of a parent. But think about our Heavenly Father and how much He longs to communicate with us and have a relationship with us. And it's our privilege to do so, but many of us oftentimes are too busy, our lives are too full, and we don't spend time with our Heavenly Father. I want you to know that a child of God that is not backslidden will desire and want to have a relationship with the Father, which means he's going to desire and want to spend time in prayer. He's going to want to talk to him. That's going to be in your heart. You're going to want to do that. You know, I, I enjoy it when I'm sitting in the living room and Alicia comes in and just sits down and, and I'll stop what I'm doing and I'll say, you know, did you need something? And she's like, no, just not doing anything else, thought I'd be in here with you. Oh, I like that. <laughs> okay. I mean, we're just sitting there, you know, just spending time together. And, and that, that means a lot to me. And I'll tell you what, it means a lot to our Heavenly Father when that desire is in our heart. Lord, I just want to spend some time with you. I just want to be with you. I just want to talk to you. I just want. I mean, prayer is asking. We know we've dealt with that prayer is asking and receiving. Uh, John Rice's book by that title, Asking and Receiving, that is the, the crux of prayer. But I guess you could say the heart of it is building a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And that's what we want to do. God wants to answer our prayers. We know that. Uh, we know that he will answer a prayer of forgiveness. We see in 1 John 1, 9, a familiar verse. You know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants to forgive you when you disobey. Uh, beloved, I want you to know that the Bible tells us, he that covereth this sin will not prosper. And uh, we, we need to bring that to the Lord and confess it. He'll forgive you at any time. We just got to bring it to him. Uh, we should be expressing thankfulness to God for his blessings on our lives. Uh, you can find peace when you're anxious. You can find peace when you're anxious. I'll tell you what, the, the, when, you know, the song we sang, Why Worry When You Can Pray? Some of the most peaceful times, regardless of the storm that's going on in your life, can be just when you're praying, in prayer. And, and sometimes leaving the prayer closet, as it were, getting up and, and going on into your life, 
that anxiety comes back, that stress comes back, but in, in, in prayer, uh, it, it's a time of peace. My dad always said, don't, don't doubt on your feet what God settled on your knees. And, you know, when you're in prayer and God gives you peace and, and you say, this is what God wants me to do, and you stand up and all of a sudden there's a storm, well, wait a minute, God gave you peace and, and you, you settled that. You settled on your knees what God wanted you to do and that peace that's in your heart, you need to let that reign. You can re- receive strength when you're weak. We know at the heart of it, we are, we are weak as Christians. Uh, we're weak in, in our ability to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're, we're, but even physically or, or weariness uh, you know, in our life, you can receive strength and God can uh, give you the strength you need to keep going if we would spend time in prayer. You can ask and should ask for your daily needs. You know, uh, part of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. The aspect of daily coming to God and seeking from Him what it is that you need. Now, of course, we know that it's needs that God said, I shall supply all your what? I shall supply all your needs, right? It, it's, of course, we've got to be careful that we uh, are not asking amiss, that we may consume it upon our own lust, that we're not just, you know, asking for everything that we want because this is what we want. But I tell you what, if it's in need, God says that he'll supply our needs. And we can ask daily for our needs. And he lists there some, your physical needs, uh, emotional needs, joy, peace, strength, rest, you know, these things, spiritual wisdom, discernment. I'll tell you what, discernment and direction in your life, this is so, so important. I can't tell you how many times uh, dealing with my children as they were growing up that I, as a father, looked at it and said, okay, Lord, I'm not sure how to handle this situation. I'm not sure what... What should I do? How should this be dealt with? Is this something that I really need to come down hard on? Is this something I should have some grace on and, and show some mercy and, and just deal kindly with this child? What, Lord, I need some wisdom. I need discernment to, to see what the heart of this matter is. And, uh, man, we need discernment. Christians, we need discernment in our lives to discern that which is good and evil uh, and to do things. Sometimes. You know, the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. And you look at a child and you're like, what in the world? Just like, like, there's, why would you do that? It makes no sense. There's no reason you do such a foolish thing. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. When, you know, when we're young spiritually, a lot of times spiritually we do things that don't make a lot of sense either. They're not going to help us spiritually. They're not going to strengthen us. They're not going to help us get victory or put our life in order. Yet we do those things. That's why we need discernment from the Lord. This, is, this, this wouldn't be wise. This wouldn't be really what we should do. And so we need that discernment. We need God to give us discernment and to help us. And that comes through prayer. If any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God. Amen? Yeah. Are you guys asleep today? I know I've been cruising here, and, and I, I feel like even my heartbeat is, I guarantee you, if you check my blood pressure when we started, it's probably I've been running all morning, and uh, I feel like I'm just now starting to slow down. Even the pace in which I was teaching was faster when we began. I'm trying to pull it back a little bit uh, because in my mind I was just racing. Uh, and so you guys sometimes 
you know, when I'm running like that, you're a little less engaged. You're like, oh, he's off running. We can put it in neutral. <laughs> you know? So hopefully you stay engaged. But prayer should be a way of life. That's your next blank there. A way of life. For every Christian, every believer, this should be a way of life for us. You know, let me ask you, when you get scared, let's say somebody just cuts you off on the highway and almost slams into you. Is your first response, you know, Lord, or is it something else? What, what is, your, is your first response in trouble to run to Christ? Is your first, you know, you know, man, you get into an accident and it's, Lord, thank you that I'm whole, that I'm okay. Thank you that my passengers are okay and, and you know, the car can be replaced, but Lord, for your protection. Or, or is it something else you don't even give any thought to him in that crisis, in that moment? That it doesn't even come across your mind till later. It ought to be a way of life for us. Prayer should be a way of life. Uh, you know, you don't pray too much. I remember one guy giving another Christian a hard time because he's talking about the Bible says you should pray for everything. And, and Fred, he said, I think you ought to pray for what socks you're going to put on in the morning. You just grab a pair of socks and say, Lord, are these socks I'm supposed to wear today? And the guy was like, okay, now that's kind of stupid. Like, that's ridiculous. Lord, don't care what kind of socks you pray. But you know what? Most of our problem is not praying about too much stuff. The problem is we don't pray about enough stuff. Okay, now whether you want to pray about what socks you put on or not doesn't matter to me. Uh, I'm just saying that we oftentimes we, we do entirely too much all on our own. And we don't put it into a matter of prayer. Asking the Lord for wisdom, for discernment. Lord, should I, should I do this? Should I take this activity? You know, sometimes when my kids come to me and they say, Dad, can I go with so-and-so? In my heart and mind, the first thing I do is, Lord, should I let them go? And I just wait to see if the Lord will uh, give me a direction or a peace in my heart. And sometimes I don't have a particular reason. It's just in my mind. The Lord has impressed upon me they shouldn't go. And I don't know what's going to happen in that activity. I don't know what's going to happen at that home or whatever. Maybe God is protecting my child from an injury he would have gotten or maybe protecting him from some influence that he would have been under. Uh, but then other times, you know, the Lord, I, I don't have any reason why not. The Lord just, sure, you know. And I say, okay, yeah, you can go. Um, but very often when a child comes to me and says, hey, can I go, can I go with Bo? We're going to run down to Rita's. Not that big a deal. In my, my mind, you know, Lord, should he go? Sure, you can run down there with Bo. That'll be good. You guys encourage one another, enjoy some Rita's, and bring me back something. Amen. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, just, just consulting the Lord, just quickly, just having it as a way of life, a pattern, a habit. Do you put, commit things to prayer? Our response should be to go to the Lord. You know, the Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Uh, but our greatest counselor, and of course the most safety, comes from the Lord. Um, we should be praying about everything, every part of our lives. Uh, so you can pray at any time, in any place, for any reason. Uh, prayer is between God and his children. Um, when should you pray? So praying at any time, any place, for any reason. We see some Bible examples here of times to pray. And first he says here, when lacking faith. In Mark 9.24. In Mark 9.24. He says in Mark 9.24, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. 
I can tell you, I've prayed that prayer many times. I've prayed it many times. Lord, I, I, I believe that you can do this. But in my heart of hearts, if I was really honest, I'm not sure that you will. I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I have the faith to, to see this through. And, and God, I just pray you'd help me to have the faith I need and help me to believe. Uh, and, you know, I have been encouraged by the principle over the years, and I've shared it with you many times, that uh, prayer in itself is an expression of faith. You say, well, I don't know if I have faith or not. Are you praying about it? Then you have faith. Because if you didn't believe at all, you wouldn't be praying. So you say, well, I need, do I have the faith of a grain of mustard seed? I mean, that's pretty small faith. Do I even have that little bit of faith? Well, if you're praying, it doesn't take much faith. And that's what the Lord says. And, and that is an expression of faith if you just commit something to prayer. If you're not praying about it, it's because you don't believe. Because you just don't have the faith that God will do something or that it's possible that the Lord wants to answer for whatever reason. But prayer, pray when you're lacking faith. Pray when seeking restoration. Psalms 51, that, that great passage of scripture of David when he came back to God after falling into sin. And uh, man, he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And when you're seeking restoration, when you're wanting to come back to the Lord and, and restore that relationship, the, the privilege that's ours is God is always there. And he's always ready to hear. And no matter how far you've run, you may be the prodigal and you've gone all the way to the pig pens and you're laying there in the slop of the world and you've got nowhere to look but up. But when you look up, God's there. God's there. doesn't matter how far you've gone when you turn. The Lord is present and you can be restored. When desiring revival, Psalms 85, 6, wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? We as a church have been praying and seeking for revival. We are just, I think, right now five weeks away from our fall revival. It's hard to believe. We're four weeks away from Roundup Sunday. Uh, Miss Darcy texted me last week and she said, do you have a flyer for Roundup Sunday already? I said, Darcy, <laughs> I, uh, we just finished VBS. We're taking the, sta the stage down right now. We've got appreciation dinner on Sunday. Uh, i got to go to Indiana and back. I said, let's get through this weekend, and then we'll get the flyer for a roundup. But I, I tell you what, I really appreciate her helping me stay on track with the calendar and, and what's next because like, it, I, get, I get very focused on current projects, and we got to remember what's coming next. So Otherwise, it sneaks up on us, and she's really good at helping me with that. But it's right around the corner. The revival is right around the corner. And we've got to start to prepare our hearts and minds. Next Sunday, I'm going to give everybody present a book on revival, 30 Days to Revival. I want everybody in the church to be reading it and preparing their heart and getting ready for revival, just taking some steps so that we get together and have a couple-day meetings. You know, those couple-day meetings are, are only going to bring the result from the time and effort we put into prayer and preparation for it. And uh, so as a church, we want to prepare adequately. We pray for revival. When expressing gratitude to God, obviously we should have hearts of gratitude and, and show our thanks. When confessing sin, First John 1, 9, we've mentioned that one already. Um, I praise the Lord that we don't have to confess our sin to man unless you've wronged them and they know it. Okay, now if I did something 
let's pick on Brad. I already mentioned all these guys up here. We'll pick on Brad. If I did something to Brad and he knows it, then I need to get that right with him. I do need to come and confess to him and say, listen, I did this. I shouldn't have. Uh, will you forgive me? Um, but I don't need to come and confess it to all of you. You guys are not part of it. I don't need to come up and say, man, uh, I was mad at Brad, and so I egged his car. You know, I shouldn't have done that, but I felt bad. And, you, know, <laughs> you know, whatever. I don't need to tell all of you guys. I just need to go to him and, and say, listen, I'll make it right. Whatever damage is done, I'll pay for it, whatever. And that's the other part. Sometimes people think, well, I said sorry. Isn't that good enough? Well, if there was damages, you need to take care of it. You need to cover the expenses of whatever it was. And, uh, you know, so making things right with people. But I'm glad that, you know, ultimately we know that all sin is sin against God. Like Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness against God? And we come to him and confess and forsake sin, and God will bless you for it. So uh, then pray when you don't know what to pray. Somebody said there's two times that you should pray and read your Bible. Only two times that you have to do it. When you feel like it and when you don't. Just those two. <laughs> That's all. So just pray at those two times and you'll be good. You know. Uh, so when you don't know what to pray, the exciting thing is the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. So we might not even know how to or what to pray, but we know that God can direct and the Holy Spirit will intercede if we're just committing our hearts to prayer. So prayer, you know, this is a powerful tool for the believer. And if you have been or are in practice of spending any time in prayer at all, how many of you know that oftentimes it's really God working on you, not you working on God? I mean, you know, you come to him with a list and like, Lord, you know, we need you to bless revival this year and we need you to do a work and come and show up and be strong and do something mighty at Valley Baptist Church and, and uh, Lord, be, be with Fred and, and encourage his heart. And, uh, you know, we're, you're just spending time in prayer and as you're doing that, then the Holy Spirit comes and walks down and gets in your heart and starts telling you, well, you want to see revival, what, what about this? Well, Lord, it's not really what I'm dealing with right now. I'm praying about this over here, you know. And if you just spend some time in prayer, the Lord will show you something, and you get that right, and then you're spending time in prayer, and the Lord will show you something else, and you get that right, and then the Lord Lord just kind of just continues. It's really God working on you. It's amazing how God will do that. And that's one of the reasons I think maybe we don't like spending as much time in prayer, because uh, that's, the Lord's going to come, and he's going to say, hey, you know about this. You know you shouldn't be doing that. Or you know I've told you and been trying to get you to do this for a long time. Oh, come on, Lord. You know, you, you, that's not really what I wanted to talk about right now. But the Lord's putting it on your heart because you know it's something that needs to be dealt with. That's what prayer does. So when can you pray? He says here, any time. We know for any place, any circumstances, uh, pray all the time. Uh, pray continually. We know the Bible says to pray without ceasing. Uh, in several locations there, just to pray without ceasing. Having a spirit and a heart of prayer, is it your response? Is it your go-to? Uh, pray through the night. We see oftentimes in the scriptures that Jesus prayed all night long. Have you ever been part of an all-night prayer meeting? Now, these are 
you, you kind of tag team the all-night prayer prayer meeting. You, you tag team. Fred has from 11 to 11.30, and Zach has from 11.30 to midnight, and Bo has from midnight to 6 a.m., and then uh, <laughs> and then we pick up at 6 with more people that are alive during that time. Uh, you know, you, have, you just break it up, and you do an all-night prayer meeting where somebody's praying all night. Uh, or we've had in the past uh, prayer meetings that go for 24 hours for something specific, and everybody in the church signed up for a slot or time, and they commit to pray for that time so that somebody in the church is praying for 24 hours solid so that this need would be met or this prayer would be answered. But what about you individually? Have you personally prayed through the night? Has there ever been something so heavy on your heart, a burden so great that you just couldn't sleep, that you just had to pray, that you just had to talk to the Lord, that, that you just could not just put your head down and rest uh, but we're driven to just pray and talk to the Lord and get, get right with him, talk to him some more, seek him, longing for him to do something to help you through that sh- struggle or storm or, or answer that prayer, whatever it is, but pray through the night. Daniel prayed, we know, morning, noon, and night. Daniel prayed morning, noon, and night. We said that three times a day. Uh, setting for us an example, and we're like, well, I pray three times a day every time I eat. You know? uh, Lord, thank you for the vittles, thank you for the meat, let's eat. Uh, you know, whatever you, you do, hopefully your prayers uh, are not uh, vain repetition like that. The Bible gives us uh, counsel against that type of prayer. Uh, but talking to the Lord, uh, praying for your meals, pray morning, noon, and night, pray daily for your basic, basic needs. We mentioned that. Uh, prayer, uh, prayer, I'm sorry, prior to major decisions and events. Listen, this is a very, very important. We talked about the idea of having wisdom and discernment in your life. Uh, pray, pray about major decisions in your life, things that you're going to do that have a great impact on you, that make a big difference. You know, I remember many, many years ago, uh, Dr. Vogelin talking about his church was relatively young. They were growing. I think they had grown by 600 in, their, in one year. And, uh, you know, they had seen God do some miraculous things. But during that time, they, they, they built a lot of buildings and they had a lot of expense. And somebody came to him and said, I have 10 oil wells in Texas that I want to give to your church. And uh, he thought, man, cha-ching, and he started seeing dollar signs, and he's like, we're going to take care of all of our debt. And he's like, hallelujah, the Lord has delivered us. Wonderful. And he signed on the dotted line and took possession of these 10 oil wells in Texas. Did not pray about it at all. Just saw the potential. And come to find out, these 10 oil wells were under investigation by the EPA, and uh, they were being shut down. And these tin oil wells cost the church hundreds of thousands of dollars to mitigate the uh, problems and, and to deal with the environmental impact and to just cap them off and to ultimately just to be able to wash their hands of it once they could get out of it, hundreds of thousands of dollars it cost the church. And he, he, he would talk about that as like one of the worst decisions he ever made in his life. And he said it was all because he didn't pray. He, you know... I, I did a very similar thing. I praise the Lord. I wasn't on uh, such a, a big level, but I had an opportunity one uh, year to provide a job for a bunch of guys and uh, to do some work. And I went out and hired 12 guys and put them to work. And we, we worked through the summer. But for me, when I, when I took on this responsibility in my mind, I saw it as, hey, these 12 guys are going to be out working every day. 
and at the end of the day, I'm going to be banking money. And I, I mean, I'm going to be paying them, but they're, they're, every hour they work, I'm making money. And boy, this is going to be a big cash cow for me. It was awesome. It looked like an amazing opportunity. And uh, that was one of the most brutal summers of my life. I didn't pray about that decision. I just took it on. I went and hired these guys. was responsible for their, for their, their jobs. And there were weeks that I worked both jobs. I was supposed to, in my mind, I'm not even going to be there. They're going to be out making money for me. And I was working uh, 40 hours plus there. But I also had to go hang drywall in order to have enough money just to make payroll. So I was taking out of money I already had to pay these guys to work, to do work that wasn't for me. <laughs> it was for, for a company. But uh, I just, that was every week. It was just such a brutal summer. And all summer, it's like the Lord was just like, yep, uh, I'll show you. <laughs> I mean, I just felt like every week the Lord was saying, I'm like, Lord, how many weeks do I have to go through this? I understand. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, forgive me for not praying about this and, and just wanting to go after the dollars. But, you know, a lot of people will do a very similar thing. They'll, they'll get their family up and move them to a new area because of dollars. There's a new job. But you know how great of an impact that kind of decision can have on your family? Do you know the kids that your kids are going to be around in that area? Do you know the influences that they're going to have? Do you know what they might get involved in? Do you have a good church there that's going to encourage and challenge and help you? It's, it's all about, oh, we're going to go over here and get this money. And then everything else is going to fall where it's going to fall. Listen, you need to pray about major decisions of your life. Anything, it's just, our problem is not that we pray about too much. Our problem is we don't pray enough. Pray about major decisions. Jesus prayed prior to every major decision in his life. We have examples here uh, given to us. There's a list there. He prayed at his baptism. He prayed the night before he select the 12. He prayed before he was transfigured. He prayed before raising Lazarus. He prayed in the garden. He prayed during the crucifixion. You can look up and read those passages of scripture, but it should be an example for us in our life. Any major decision, we need to be spending time in prayer and honestly praying, Lord, search me. Lord, I know my heart is desperately wicked, and I know I desire or I want to do this, but Lord, help me to know if this is what I should do. Because I, I want, I, I'm really leery and cautious of something that I want to do. Because I, I just want to make sure that it's God leading and God's direction and not just my own desire. Because I know in my heart, I, I'll lead myself wrong nine times out of ten. You know, maybe ten times out of ten without the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? We need God's help. Every Christian should develop a daily time of prayer. Do you have a daily time of prayer? Do you have a location to pray? Um, there's the old poem there, I met God in the morning. I met God in the morning when my day was at its best, and in his presence came like sunrise, like the glory in my breast. All day long the presence lingered, and all day long he stayed with me, and we sailed in perfect calmness over very troubled seas. Other ships were blown and battered, other ships were sore distressed, but the winds that seemed to drive them brought to us peace and rest. Then I thought of other mornings when a keen remorse of mind, when I too had loosed the morning moorings with the presence, with the presence left behind. So I think I know the secret. 
learned from many a troubled way, you must seek him in the morning if you want him throughout the day. So listen, I am not a morning person. Now you know. (laughs) I'm not a morning person. Some of you early birds, you know, praise God for you. You know, you just like getting up at the crack of dawn, and you're like, it's so peaceful. It's so nice, and, and I'm for you. I, I mean, I, I, if there's one thing I could change about myself, I wish I was a morning person. Because I believe there is something vitally important about starting your day with God. Spending some time in prayer. Committing the day to Him. And this is important. But you, you need to have a daily time, and it needs to be when you're alert. When you can function. And when it works best for you. So if you're not a morning person like me, you're not going to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and be alert and awake and ready to, you know, just spend time studying the Word of God. Then you need to commit a different time to that. Maybe you've got your lunch hour you can get alone. Maybe you've got other time you can can do it. Maybe you are evening or night owl and you say, you know what, I do it at night in preparation for the next day. I think you should still in the morning be committing some time to the Lord. You don't have to do full-on Bible study in the morning and all that. But have a daily time of prayer. Find a time that you can be with God. Develop a special time for Bible reading and prayer. The morning, he says here, the morning is an important time to meet God. Uh, at the beginning of the day, that's the morning time. It's, it's important. But do what time works best for you. Um, he talks here about Bible reading. When should you read your Bible? New believers should begin reading the New Testament. Um, unless, unless you're bow, then you start in... Uh, the Chronicles, or no. uh, start studying the book of Romans right away. Uh, no, there's, there, the New Testament obviously is, is for the new believer. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament that if you didn't have some instruction or some direction on, you might could get confused and say, well, I don't, know, I don't know what that means, or I don't know how that applies to us, because some things apply to Israel and some things apply to us directly. Some things are for uh, us to take as part of our life now, and some things are not, and so you know, as far as where to start, I encourage any new believer to start in the New Testament, read through the New Testament, read the, you know, the Gospels and, and getting those things, some practical lessons like the book of James or, or Ephesians, you know, those things. Then move over into the Psalms and Proverbs. Uh, get a under, working understanding of the book of Genesis. And then as you're growing and getting some working knowledge and understanding of things, then read through, at some point, commit to read through the Bible, maybe in a year. We, we actually did a Bible study here for three years so that if you would have just stayed on that Bible study, you would have read through the Bible from cover to cover in three years. Uh, we just took a chapter a day, one chapter every day, and re- read through the Word of God. And, uh, but you can do that, reading one chapter a day, or read three chapters a day and a couple extra on weekends or whatever. You can read through the Word of God in a year. My dad's committed right now. I think he said when he was here to read through it four times this year. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's ahead of schedule right now, but at his house for about 10 hours, uh, in the moving back and forth, changing clothes, going to the wedding and stuff. And he was sitting there reading the Bible, you know, but spend time in the word of God. Let me encourage you. Don't, uh, a lot of times we want to read stuff about the Bible, but you need the word of God. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than each two-edged sword. And, and so don't replace a you know, devotional book, uh, or don't replace the Word of God with the devotional book. There are many great helps out there, and those things I would encourage you to use. That's what this is, but a time of studying and learning, but also spend time in the Word of God itself. Let the Word of God 
work on you. So he says here, read a chapter every day, use devotionals, uh, allow time to pray and talk to the Lord, develop and use your prayer list. Develop and use your prayer list. Use the church prayer list. We have a prayer list we give out on, on uh, Thursday nights. Many times there are still copies available on the Welcome Center on Sunday. And then where can you pray? You can pray anywhere, uh, anywhere at all, uh, in your car, going down the road, wherever. Uh, but find a special place. Uh, those can be very uh, meaningful to you and uh, time that you've spent together. Uh, pray privately. He says there, enter into thy closet, Matthew 6, 6. And the idea is not that you have to get into a closet, you know, find a closet you can fit in at home and close the door. The idea is that you pray privately, that you get alone with God somewhere. And that's what you want to do. Now, there's other things. I didn't quite conclude uh, the prayer stuff, but we'll get into that into fasting next week as we need to bring this to a close this morning. The biggest thing here is it needs to be part of our lives as Christians. We're going to see a difference. Uh, we need to be people of